Ah, uh, yes. I'm uh, alone at home for a bit, so we're gonna get a slightly extended sax solo. Ah, my three loyal Catholics right here. Uh, until, uh, oh wait, I should really change this back to the default scene, isn't it? I think. Uh, how do I do that? Well, there is no. Ah, there we go. Good. Let's just straighten that up a bit. You're about to uh, hear my musical genius. Small children, dogs, cats, those sort of things probably want to leave the room now. <laughs> Rusty, I see. Well, no matter. Ah, David Perkins, you, you heretic. Enjoy, enjoy the true music. Oh, we have the chief gamma is here. Oh, wow. Where's that other little thing I need to... Oh, you see, got a slight handicap in that I can't feel half of my left hand because of an injury I had when I was a kid. Um, right, let's try this. No, that doesn't work at all. Obviously, Fleur East's song, Sax, is dedicated to me. I mean, just look at this. You, you can just tell. You know, any, any musical genius would be able to tell you that obviously she's uh, so impressed by my sax playing that she decided to dedicate a song to it. <laughs> I've tortured you enough. If you're still here after that, um, you probably deserve all the pain you're going to get. But uh, I do, I do love my sax. I just uh, I need to practice a little bit more. Perhaps by the time I'm 80, I'll get it right. 
Uh, but yeah, um, let me just put this down so I don't wreck it. Give me one sec. Okay, so it's uh, it's gonna be a bit of a mishmash. Let, let me see uh, first the accolades due to my uh, musical ability, of course. As we've got a few comments here. Uh, David is obviously a, a heretic who says not the sax. My headphones are set to full volume. I'm ready. <laughs> you see that that, ladies and gentlemen, Zenostart. There you go. That is a true immortal who fears nothing. <laughs> AJ Rhino wants to do a duet. We've got the Chief Gamma E Scorpio. Zenostart uh, <laughs> greets the Lord of Gammas. The house plants are wilting. David Perkins, obviously a Protestant, must be. Is this the music version of modern art? Ah, Brennus. I would whip you, but uh, unfortunately I think you're right. <laughs> Very good. This is what a side fumbly painting <laughs> sounds like. Dancers with logos ever loyal says yay. Oh, don't blame your left hand. That isn't the problem. <laughs> well, it, it is true. I, I can only feel half of my left hand. I had a, an injury when I was young. You see, I cut through my tendons there. And uh, that's that. Bongo Drummond, who might be related to the guy who did uh, the song of what? I'm the King of Bongo. Yeah, that, that was a pretty cool song. <clears throat> And Bongo says he'll come back later when I'm talking about Nazis. <laughs> the smoke alarms are going off. Uh, Coltrane has new competition, indeed. See, there's a man who appreciates art. This is worse than Nirvana. <laughs> the, the true death. <laughs> Very good. Ah, indeed. My fancy bulge. Well, my fancy bulge is a bit lower down. Don't think you've seen any of that. Your sax playing reminds me of the concert scene in The Lost Boys. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I broke my headphones on hearing that noise. Well, <clears throat> um, thank you all for the uh, inspired and uh, kind words. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was actually wanting to talk about the benefits of Catholic, of, you know, the, the change that happens when you are a believing Catholic from a pagan, heathen, atheist slash Protestant or whatever else you are. Not only the clarity of thought, but the, the level of um, strength and peace of mind it gives you is quite, it's quite difficult to, to explain to somebody who uh, hasn't experienced it. And for myself, it was a relatively gradual process and also, to a certain extent, not a huge, huge difference, but that's because I've always had a very uh, clear ability to sort of be quite objective. Um, having said that, being quite objective is still a far cry from being quite objective and knowing a lot more about how reality works. It, it gives you a sense of peace that is, is very difficult to achieve. And I don't think it is, is achievable any other way.
Um, oh, it says fancy boogle, and I read it as bulge. Oh, well, what can you say? Little Freudian slip happens to the best of us. Uh, anyway. But maybe we shall postpone a little bit the Catholic thought for the Nazi. There was a request <clears throat> about various concepts to do with the Nazis. One of the points was, oh, the Nazis were helped by the Catholic Church. That is essentially a lie. It was, um, you, you have to understand, by the time that the, the, the Nazis came into power, you're talking about um, Pius XII, who was surrounded by Freemasons. So while undoubtedly there were Freemasons in the Catholic Church that were all for the Nazis, Pope Pius XII himself was, if you actually look at what he did, rather than the propaganda of what people say he did and whatever, he was a really good Pope. Um, the Catholic Church and various priests of the Catholic Church risked their lives to save uh, Jews many, many times. Uh, a particular example that I'm familiar with is the one of um, Don Villa, um, of whom I talk about in my book, Proclaiming the Catholic Church, uh, because there is a whole book on Don Villa, but it's in Italian. So if you don't read Italian, it might be a bit difficult to... Uh, to know about it, you see, and uh, so the point is that, for example, Pope Pius XII was asked by the Jews to provide a certain level of um, support, like food and you know that clothing, that sort of stuff, for when the, the Jews were in the ghetto. And Pope Pius XII organized for very trained loads of stuff to go to the Jews in the ghettos. And the main rabbis of uh, the Jewish ghetto basically asked him to provide, more important than anything, the bits and pieces that they needed for their pagan religious fake ritual or whatever it is. I can't remember if it was palm fronds or some, some ridiculous thing, so that they could uh, celebrate their uh, fake religious holiday. Keep in mind that as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, uh, Jews are the Christ killers. They are the people who killed Christ, who wanted him dead, and, you know, they are uh, basically a cursed race until uh, they repent and convert. And um, the rabbis were so adamant that they wanted the stuff even more than the food and clothing that they needed to keep their own people alive. And Pope Pius XII, uh, in private communications with his own guy, said, don't send them any of that shit. You send them the food and the clothes. We're saving souls. We're not saving their anti-Catholic, you know, satanic ritual stuff. Um, and then, you know, that, of course, gets uh, changed into, oh, well, he was uh, some kind of evil guy or whatever. Now, it is, I think, true that some Nazis escaped uh, to South America using... Catholic fake passports or, or using somehow the Vatican. But I haven't studied that aspect of it to any great detail, and I don't know how many of the Freemasons are involved in that. I expect quite a lot because um, honest Catholics, like honest Germans in the Wehrmacht, um, pretty much 
hated Nazism. So, um, you know, that aspect of it, like I said, I'm not particularly familiar with the history of it. It's not something that interests me that much. I haven't read that much into the details of it. But I'm sure the truth of it is quite different from whatever gets presented. As you know, by now, the official narrative is always uh, suspect. Um, I'll just continue a few more comments. Salsa Verde says that uh, bulge is better. <laughs> there you go. The ladies agree. <laughs> and E. Scorpio says that he has a one-track mind. Don't confuse me with Owen Benjamin now. I may have a one-track mind when it comes to my vices, but bulges are not it. Valleys, possible, you know, things um, of that nature, but definitely not bulges. Is there going to be Nazis on Mars talk, or was there a clickbait thumbnail? No, 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 there's plenty of Nazis on Mars talk if you just, you know, ask questions though, because... Nazis is such a huge topic that it's just like, come on, I, you know, what do you want exactly? Um, as far as the Nazis go with the <clears throat> moon tech and all that, you have to know, whatever your belief about the moon landings, right? My personal opinion is that uh, we did land on the moon, but we did not land there the way they say we landed there. The technology to get to the moon has to involve anti-gravity technology if you're sending any living beings to it because you have to go through the Van Allen belts, there's a bunch of uh, general cosmic radiation and um, the actual surface of the moon can have very, you know, temperatures of, of very high degrees and so on. So Anti-gravity technology would allow you to shield yourself from pretty much all of these things to one extent or other. Uh, not having anti-gravity technology, you're okay sending unmanned probes like the Chinese have done, like the Russians have done, but sending actual people to the surface of the moon, yeah, that's going to be... It might be feasible, but it's, I don't think it was feasible in 1969. Um, not with the technology they had, not with the... You know, I, I could be potentially wrong on that, but uh, the balance of probabilities is that um, I'm, I'm right on it and that I, I do believe I'm absolutely right in the fact that we went to the moon with anti-gravity technology. Whether it's possible to go there without anti-gravity technology, I think it's probably possible, but not uh, certainly with the Apollo um, spaceships that they say went there. It's it's utter rubbish. It, it was you know it was fake landing. All ninety nine percent of the stuff that you've seen about the moon landings is fake. It that is fake videos. But they did go. Um, but they had to use anti gravity technology. Now, interestingly, Zenos Dart mentioned to me that oh you know the Nazis were so crazy. They related their UFO slash anti gravity technology to the occult. Well, no. It's even crazier than that, uh, because the Nazis absolutely, without a doubt, um, rediscovered and developed and played around with anti-gravity technology. And you don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to just quickly get a book that I've got here. Or actually, a couple of books, because they're both relevant. So... This 
is A Dark Star by Harry Stevens, which details the Wunderwaffen, the, the wonder weapons of the Nazi um, uh, regime. There you go, the hidden history of German secret bases, flying discs, and U boats. And a very good reference type book. And this one, the SS Brotherhood of the Bell, which is uh, Joseph Farrell's book on detailing more specifically they what they called the bell which was a horrific sort of experimental type of technology that they were trying to discover how to use to create anti-gravity and they had um you know test subjects were, were put in the room with it it was like really weird scary shit and it is related actually to the philadelphia experiment which um, Charles Berlitz wrote about the Philadelphia Experiment, a book that has since been debunked by the same people who debunked the Roswell incident. And I do not believe the Roswell incident was little aliens. I do believe the Roswell incident was a Nazi aircraft that crashed. As in fact, there was little Nazi symbols and stuff found at the original wreckage, as far as I remember. Now... <coughs> Um, yeah, David Perkins raises a, a very valid point, of course, which is Catholics were targeted by the Nazis. The Nazis targeted Jews, commies, and Catholics. And, of course, there were the real Catholics that were targeted, and then there's the infiltrating Freemasons, which obviously were on the same side. So, um, Yes, indeed. Uh, Bailey Harrison says that he remembers being told about a Catholic priest in Auschwitz who offered to take the place of a Jewish boy who was made to starve to death. There were uh, Catholic priests have been martyrs in just about every war and every conflict that you've ever encountered, that you've ever read about. At some point, there was pretty much likely um, a Catholic priest that uh, became a martyr in order to save others or protect the innocent and so on. Catholic priests are the most hardcore human beings you can find. Uh, and I'm talking obviously about Catholic priests, not novice orco scum. Um, there is a book called Heroes. Um, oh, let me get that one as well. It's over there. So. There you go. It's called Heroism and Genius. Uh, by William Slattery, and it's how Catholic priests help build and can help rebuild Western civilization. Notice the title, Rebuild, because it's since collapsed, and we do absolutely need Catholic priests. Having uh, spent a, you know, a weekend or so with my, um, with my own Catholic priest recently, I can tell you that these guys are, they're, they're absolutely required, you know, they're, they're needed people. As much as you need armies to change certain things, um, you also need priests, proper priests. Um, anyway, to get back to the Nazi technology, um, I've actually started writing a novel, which I don't know when the hell I'll ever finish that. I still have to finish the third novel of the trilogy of the Overlords of Mars, which is heavy going. There's, there's a lot of plot there. There's a lot of uh, plot lines that come together. In that book, um, there's a lot of background information. You see, I'm the type of guy that if he tells you that, oh, in my novel, you know, there are so many Nazis on the moon, or on the moon, or there are so many Martians in on Mars with anti-gravity technology, you know, like from Earth, 
you can bet your ass I've done the background on, okay, how many people were there? How many children would they have? How would it work? How many human beings would there be? How many ships would they have per, you know, a faction? All of that stuff is worked out. I actually have spreadsheets of this going on in the background so that it makes sense. And um, the third book in the series, which is, um, I think the working title is Dark Sun, is um, is the third book in the Overlord of the Mars series, is when they've just landed on the moon with the moon Nazis and there's a confrontation sort of between the moon Nazis and the people that essentially operate Mars. Um, and, uh, you know, I've written about 20-30% of that book. Um, I know the rest of it in my head, but I just need the time to be um, sort of have enough time to be able to do that. Maybe I'll take a stab at it over the holidays. I'll see. But, you know, family, kids, there's a lot of things that take my attention that are more important. And then I started to do this very short, I wanted to do a very short novel. Again, I got interrupted by work, kids, etc. That was essentially uh, based on the Nazi Bell thing. And the funny thing is nobody will believe me now because I wrote this a few months ago. Only my editor knows this. But um, it was predicated on... If Hillary is still alive in 2019, in November of 2019, then the world is really probably going to get into a really bad shape if certain things don't happen. And this guy gets a letter from his grandfather that's been left for him for years after his grandfather died that is saying, by the way, this is what I know about the future and you're part of it and you've got to fix it because if these things have not happened then there's a problem. Now, I wrote this very shortly after the Kavanaugh um, um, confirmation because one of the future points that his grandfather puts in the letter is if this QAnon gets the number of votes for the Kavanaugh confirmation wrong, then you know that the world is going down a bad road. At this time, nobody knew anything about COVID and all that, so it's quite uh, quite interesting. So that's uh, yeah. But the this bell uh, definitely had time altering properties and anti gravity sort of properties. They're all sort of interrelated when you get into that space. So I don't know if you've got any specific questions about Nazis, um, fire them out. So, uh, Dances with Logo says, oh no, hope he isn't related to Nathaniel. I'm not sure who Nathaniel is or what we're talking about now. But, uh, you know, with regard to the Apollo program, I'm hoping that even the Zyklons here know that the Apollo program, of course, was completely created by Nazis. Um, Werner von Braun was an SS officer. and uh, But Werner von Braun wasn't the most interesting character in, uh, in the whole Apollo program. Kurt the Bus was a very interesting guy, and he was an electrical engineer. And he was the guy that um, would probably be tasked with the creation of the anti-gravity element of it. And the interesting thing is that Wikipedia, about a year and a half, two years ago, 
sort of scrubbed the Kurt the Bus entry um, quite thoroughly. I've just recently ordered a book which I probably will never have the time to read, which is quite interesting. The Hoax of the 20th Century it was written a while ago, and it's basically about the number of um, Jews that supposedly died in the concentration camps. Another even more interesting book is uh, the Miles Mathis, The Incorporation of Light, which corrects some fundamental errors of basic algebra in uh, the calculations for uh, things like gravity calculations, the Lagrange constants, and this sort of thing. Um, and I'm really glad to be reading this. Now, I really need to brush up on my math to be able to follow him fully. But what, what is astonishing is that I absolutely, you know, I remember when I was being taught at high, in high school, really, about uh, electricity and the basic concepts of physics, gravity, acceleration, that sort of stuff. And the numbers never made sense to me because they're talking about, wait, in calculus, you know, in electricity, something is a potential, but it's also a voltage. It's like, it didn't make sense. You know, potential energy and kinetic energy, but they don't add up to this. They're basically the same thing, but they don't add up to the, they don't add up to the same thing in a, in a system that... A lot of damn nonsense. And this guy corrects it. Um, Miles Mathis, if you don't know about it, has got a website with the various papers on different topics. Very intelligent, smart guy. I don't necessarily, obviously, agree with all of his politics. I don't think, I don't, I don't know because I haven't read enough of his stuff. But just judging from the couple of little snippets I pick up in between, reading between the lines of his other stuff, I'm thinking he might be a little bit of a artiste, a liberal type. But... The point is, the maths is is, is brilliant. Oh yeah, sorry, I, we are veered off the topic. Zena Start says, "How does the occult connect to their technology?" Well, what I started to say, and the reason I showed you these books is to show you and let you know that the anti-gravity technology aspect of uh, Nazi technology is absolutely real, and I'm not just talking about that stuff. There is Joseph Farrell makes a very, very, very um, eloquent case for uh, thinking that the Nazis had developed um, tactical nukes. Um, something that you probably don't know, but it is at the back of the of my uh, fiction book, The Overlords of Mars, in the backstory. You know, on the back cover, you'll read that the Nazis were actually the first people to create an atomic detonation. Uh, they did it in 1944. It was witnessed by um, a high-ranking officer of the Italian army, and it knocked out all the power lines and the telephone lines in Berlin. Um, so the Nazis had the atom bomb before anybody else. And in fact, Auschwitz was a uranium enriching program. Auschwitz officially was supposed to be a Buna rubber plant manufacturing plant. And the slave labor was supposed to be used for um, creating the rubber that they needed for various, you know, in the tanks, in the tracks, and whatever. Uh, the reality is that Auschwitz never produced a single kilogram of rubber, and it used up more energy than the entire city of Berlin every day. Now, the only thing that makes sense for that was using lasers to enrich um, depleted, enrich uranium which is what you need to create the atom bombs. And they were way ahead of the Americans. And in fact, um, the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki 
were created with enriched uranium that was shipped from the Nazis, who were now surrendering, uh, through one of their U-boats, and Joseph Farrell even has the number of the U-boat, I forget which it is, 235 possibly, which got stopped by a bunch of ships in the channel, in the, in the English channel, and it was told, no, let these guys through. They delivered, I can't remember if it's 88 or, or 188 um, gold-lined cylinders, which contained enriched uranium. Now, if you look at the Manhattan uh, Project, which was supposed to create enough enriched uranium to create the atom bombs, up until August, they basically didn't really have enough. And then all of a sudden, boom, they got enough to create two bombs, which they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So um, the Nazis gave them this technology because, of course, they were allowed to retire to Argentina, where they've got a country-sized uh, country full of Nazi schools, where they only speak Germans with actual Nazi flags in the schools, in the area of... Um, uh, Bariloche, something, the Bariloche. I can't remember the full name of the of the town. Uh, I can't remember, it'll come to me. Anyway, now, how does that all tie to the occult? Because you're saying, yeah, you're going on about what they had, but what about the occult? Well, the reason I'm going about what they had is because most of you haven't got a fucking clue what the Nazis had technologically. All the stuff that you see on, you know, your uh, Raider Invisible Stealth Fighters, that's Nazi tech that they had on their subs 70 years ago. Um, they had all, most of the, they, they had um, sort of free energy technology. The, the top secret stuff, I've got one of the folders in there somewhere, about things that create energy seemingly out of thin air, and they use them in their submarines to stay underwater for months. Um, you know, two subs surrendered in Argentina months after the war ended, and where the hell are they been? You know, and that's why there were Antarctica bases. That's why in 1953 the U.S. Navy um, blew up three atomic bombs over Antarctica for no good reason that anybody can tell. Um, that's why shortly after the war, Admiral Byrd was sent packing with his tail between his legs, having lost men, machines, air fight, airplanes in Antarctica, because the Nazis pretty much, I'm sure, had a base there. And I even know pretty much where they had that base, because it's not a protected area that nobody can go near. But anyway, all that aside, the point is they had a plenty of technology that no one else had, that no one else had even thought of. How did they get this technology? Here is the crazy part. The crazy part is that I want to get this right, but I read it a while back, and I don't remember the exact detail. I believe it might have been, I, I think, my, my best guess right now, it was the wife of von Clausewitz. Von Clausewitz was the most eminent strategist of German-Prussian war ever, still is. He wrote the book called On War, which I have read. Um... And he is the original, credited to be the original inventor of uh, the tactic of Blitzkrieg, which is, you know, lightning war, which is like you quickly attack at fast speed. You don't give the enemy a chance to recover or reposition their forces, and you take them over. And that's how they took over France, Poland, or whatever, in a couple of days. Uh, his wife was uh, quite uh, seriously involved in things like seances and generally the occult. All of the stuff somewhat stemmed, to a certain extent or other, from Madame Blatavsky. 
Madame Blatavsky was a Russian con woman that reinvented herself and talked about energies and, you know, created her own religion. She was, uh, let's say, a much more successful, charismatic and personable version of L. Ron Hubbard, who created Dianetics or Scientology. And she went after the wealthy and the rich and the well-to-do, did spiritual sciences. Now, the reality is that the occult does have some basis in truth. In other words, there are true things which, you know, can affect people or, or that you can do or that can create results uh, using the occult. It is, you know, again, if, you, if you're a Catholic, you, you will understand this because there is a spiritual reality and not all of it is good. And some people try and use that stuff for their own personal reasons. Now, the point is that this lady and others, among which a person that I don't really know if she's real or fake or not, but it seems that she was real. I can't remember her name. It's something with an O. Very handsome, you know, pretty woman. Um, it then got, it got tied into a lot of rubbish because of something called Vril. Vril was an invention of an early science fiction writer, of British, uh, a British early science fiction writer, who basically wrote about the the real technology of these people that live underground and they were like much more advanced and eventually they would come and save the earth and, you know whatever it was a science fiction story but um, some people connected that took it as real and then they mix it in with Nazi mythology so they make up a whole bunch of bullshit that is bullshit but the Nazis absolutely were fully deeply into the occult really really deeply into the occult the Nazi symbol is actually the reversed image of a Buddhist symbol that is used to represent the spinning chakras. Again, chakras are real things. They have been measured. They have been photographed. We all have a magnetic field. In Sistema, you, you used to, now very few people teach that stuff, but you used to be taught how to use the magnetic field uh, to influence others and to get information. And there is information passing between human beings that are, you know, within a distance that allows them to transfer this magnetic field. If you've listened to my videos on telepathy and stuff like that, you know that telepathy works. There's a guy called Michael Persinger that explains how telepathy works um, using the ionosphere and whatever. All of these things, if you're a synergist like I am, you sort of, they tie together. There are links between them. And the point is that this lady that was doing the seances at some point, her and or others, women, got this information of how to build the anti-gravity technology machines, of how to build these UFOs. That Essentially, that technology was first used in the submarines, then the submarines essentially become flying craft and so on. Um, and that information from the sciences uh, got used and produced results, produced effects. So that is the crazy truth that that is, you know, you've got to dig through a lot of stuff. You, you've got to keep in mind, I read a lot. I've, I've read thousands and thousands of books in my life. I tried to estimate at one point how many books I'd read. And I have no idea, but it was in the thousands. I, I estimated at the time, and this was some years ago, there was probably between seven and eight thousand books. A lot of them nonfiction. And 
if I had to pick a topic on which I've probably read more than most topics, um, you know, the, the Nazi tech stuff and the history of Nazism and that stuff is definitely up there. It's something that's been, to one extent or another, morbidly fascinating me since I was seven, because when I was seven, I had to do a geography project. Every kid in the class got assigned a country at random, and I got Germany. And I was like, started to read up on Germany. I was seven years old, and I was like, what the hell? These people are fucking insane. How does a whole country become, you know, they have death camps, and what the hell? How could they follow that crazy maniac Hitler? And, you know, the more I studied, the more I looked into it, the more mystified I became until I came across um, Ravencroft's book, uh, The Spear of Destiny. I think it's called The Spear of Destiny. And Ravencroft has been accused of being a liar, of making stuff up. But the guy was a prisoner of war during the Second World War. He was a commando. Doesn't strike me as a guy who just made shit up. Um, what I think is that he actually told the truth as best as he could and that didn't fit the narrative. And because it didn't fit the narrative, he got lambasted by everybody that wanted the narrative to fit a certain topic, which is the Nazis were just completely all evil, all totally bad, bad guys, and they were just crazy and we should hang and kill them all and never speak about why out of nowhere, for no reason, all of a sudden they voted Hitler into power. You know, and yeah, there are a lot of, there's so much digging to do that it's difficult to, to, to find it. But if you do dig enough, and I do not remember all the books I've read, is you, you've got to understand I've read books about Nazism since, like I said, not, you know, when I was seven, I didn't deeply go into it. But um, certainly by the time I was a teenager, I, I had started to read into this stuff. And... Um, if so, you're talking a period of roughly almost 30 years, you know, probably not actually more than 30 years of reading books that I certainly wasn't reading a book thinking, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to figure all this out and put all the notes so that I can answer questions to people live streaming when there wasn't even an internet then, you know. So I don't remember all the titles of the books, but I remember the important information that I did gather from various aspects you know when i can I, I give like in the face on mars i give a lot of references for those sort of things but i don't remember all of it uh, but the point was that what i have confirmed for myself to my own satisfaction was that absolutely uh, these sciences revealed information that was used by the scientists of the german military to create this advanced technology and they had amazing shit that I still don't know how it works. Foo Fighters. Do you know what a Foo Fighter is? No, it's not the band. The band took the name from the actual thing. Foo Fighters were these balls of light that just shut up and sometimes totally made all the instruments in a plane go haywire, uh, sometimes knock down planes. Nobody knew whether they were good or bad, whether they were observers from alien origin. And by the way, in the video that I did on UFOs, and every other person that I have spoken to, met, or seen, discuss, seen UFOs, they've all seen the same thing. And I've you know, not necessarily told them about it. They don't necessarily know who the hell I am. They've got these other little balls that sort of seem to fly around, tinier, luminous things that fly around the main craft. And these Foo Fighter things certainly fit the description, but apparently they were a Nazi-created weapon, or were they? Who knows? They had minds that they would just throw up, 
into the air that would float up and attach themselves to the wing of planes and blow up, blowing up all the fuel in the wings as well and destroying the Allied planes. They had technology and weapons that you have not even heard about. If you want to read up on some of this stuff, um, I suggest Joseph P. Farrell. And of course, I talk about it in my Overlords of Mars series. Now, the Overlords of Mars series are fiction books, but there are sections in my fiction books that are in italic, and those are um, not fiction. You know, there, there are italic sections that are based on the truth, and you've got author notes at the back that explain to you how to differentiate between what is true and what is, you know, just science fiction. And there's a lot of true stuff that you don't even have a clue about that is really, really interesting, weird, and crazy, and how the Nazis got to it is just even crazier. So it's just like, a crazy loops that just keeps getting crazier and crazier. I mean, did you know that uh, the, the chicken farmer guy, you know, the guy who like supposedly killed himself with cyanide because he didn't want to get hung, uh, you know, he was the main main guy of the SS, who was a chicken farmer, the, the guy with the round glasses, I forget his name now, Himmler, was it? Yeah, Himmler. Um, he had a whole castle built with like, you know, like Knights of the Round Table, but like Nazi version in the whole castle and there were like special seats for all the different guys and they had like rituals going on there where there was like blood rituals and there was like blood drain you know there was the the the, the, the castle in which they had this stuff had like diagrams on the floor with the nazi symbols and stuff and also draining um yeah himmler um little uh, pipes to drain out the blood of their blood sacrifices they were like horrific evil shit that they did um, but, you know, some of it had some very valid truth. Now, another thing that I found fascinating, and then, you know, I go busy and I investigate it more, was the, the supposed Hitler diaries. The interesting thing about the Hitler diaries, again, I'm working from memory, so I could be wrong, but what I remember is that uh, the Hitler diaries, the paper of the Hitler diaries and the ink of the Hitler diaries was supposedly of the right age and time, but they were debunked as not being the real Hitler diaries. However, the ones that I found online and that started reading made a hell of a lot of sense to me in terms of what could have been literally possessing Hitler. It's um, fascinating read either way. A little bit like the Protocols of Zion. Protocols of Zion have been touted as an absolute forgery to completely... Uh, you know, discredit the poor, poor Jews who are just innocent of everything, every single time. Well, the thing is, if you read the original Protocols of Zion, and you look at where we are now, and then you look at who did what when, if it was fake, it was a damn interesting fake. Uh, let's see, a few more questions. Um, ah, some, some, some people who know a few things. David Perkins, heretic though he is from my music, asks, uh, was the anti-gravity based on plasma? There's more than one type of anti-gravity technology. Uh, there is anti-gravity technology that you, that you can create by spinning various things in opposition to each other. That particular one 
is and can be based on various forms of plasma as well as some purple stuff that they had in the Nazi bell that nobody really knows what the hell it was. I don't consider that to be the best clean, cool anti-gravity technology. That's sort of like a, I'm using a hammer because I don't have any other tool to make anti-gravity tech. The, the clean anti-gravity tech use dielectric materials to store energy and start to approach um, zero-point energy. Um, you're basically creating a potential difference between the zero-point vacuum fluctuations. That's the technical term for what you're actually doing when you're uh, creating an anti-gravity machine to a certain extent. And then you can use that same energy to continue to feed the system to create bigger and more powerful gravity fields. Dances with Logos is nice. We love a literature cult leader. Not only that, but remember, with a big bulge. <laughs> I always have to bring it back down to, you know, the common denominator. Uh, Zenostart says, I glanced at the math a while ago, very much beyond me, but I believe it is a thing, what I could find anyway. The, the math is not beyond you. Um, the only math here that is really sort of a little bit tough is calculus, which I don't remember. And the reason I don't remember calculus although I, I was really good at maths in engineering class, is because it never made sense to me. The way they, they define calculus, it's like, okay, if that's the definition, and then they use it for something that, whoa, that definition doesn't make fucking sense when you're doing this with it. And that's the problem I had with it, which is the same problem I had with electricity, which is the same problem that when I was four years old, I had with fiat currency. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to blow my own horn or whatever. When I was four years old, I started to think about the concept of money because that's when I became aware of it. And I started to think, but wait, this doesn't make any fucking sense. But yeah, but you're four years old, dude. You're probably missing some shit. And I carried on thinking about this stuff until I was about seven when I just realized, well, whatever, it's too complicated for me. Fuck it, I give up. To me, fiat currency doesn't make any fucking sense. But whatever, it seems to work. Everybody seems to agree it's correct. But I think the system is bullshit. It's only many, many years later that I realized, no, literally a 40-year-old child has got a better sense of economics than literally every economist on the fucking planet to date. So, you know. Uh, where are we? I Okay, we got DPM here, who I do feel sorry for, but I think I'm going to have to ban him just because of the emails he sent me and stuff. It's just been a bit weird. But, you know, I, the guy has genuine, um, I think he takes medication or whatever, so. It's not personal, just keeping the clean stream. Uh, ben Evans says, Internet failed, so I'm catching up, but nice savage swipe at Weber. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, just look up bear on the uh, Urban Dictionary. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Demetrius Bell says, did the Nazis lose or did they just go to America as Stryker Corp and Kaiser Permanence Hospital? Yeah, the Nazis didn't lose. They're literally none of the official Nazis uh, actually capitulated. 
The only one that did was the naval admiral, uh, Denitz, I think was his name. He surrendered. But, um, you know, all the so-called officials of the Nazi regime were supposedly dead. I mean, listen to this shit. The skull that belonged to Hitler turned out to be a woman, and the Soviets have known this for years. The Soviets have also known that Hitler never died in that bunker, because the pictures of the dead body, um, what the Westerners didn't know at the time, is that the human ear, if you take it in profile, you know, this aspect of the human ear, is like a fingerprint. They're all unique. And Hitler's ear, uh, the dead Hitler, had nothing to do with the real Hitler. Uh, the Argentinians have known this for a long time. In the 70s, there was an Argentinian journalist who wrote a book called Hitler Died in Argentina. And that book was pretty much rewritten uh, with very little attribution, more recently by a guy called Simon something or else. And they called the, the book, I think, Grey Wolf. Uh, I've read the book. Uh, essentially, you're better off reading the Argentinian guy's work in Spanish. Um they're even labeled, you know, the houses where he lived and stuff like that. So Argentina has got literally a country-sized estate in it where the Nazis carried on doing whatever they wanted. Um, you still could only get access if you had a uh, essentially an SS ID. They had armed people making sure that nobody got in there. They had interrogation rooms they invented and created various torture tools which they sold and manufactured and created for the Argentinian regime under Peron. Peron's signature is next to the signature of uh, oh, the fat guy whose name always escapes me. Uh, well, one of you can think it up. The, the, he was in charge of all the money. The, 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 the chubby dude, what's his name? Anyway. His signatures next to the Nazi guy's signature, they stole millions of, um, no, not Goring. Goring was a huge fat guy. I'm talking about the little round dude that was in charge of all the money. Goring was uh, the, the leader of the of the Air Force, of the Nazi Air Force. Um, oh, man, it's irritating. Anyway, one of you will come up with it soon. But um, anyway, millions of, Tons of gold, diamonds, you know, melted down Jewish gold teeth, all that stuff, all went to Argentina. There were seven flights of technology and papers that Argentina picked up from Berlin and flew straight back out to Argentina. Now, Argentina was neutral to the war, except for the last, like, six weeks or something, where they said, oh, yeah, we're joining the war, quickly, we're sending out huge airplanes to land in Berlin, pick up a whole bunch of shit. And just disappear back to Argentina. That's our contribution to the war. You know, it was. Uh, you all know that Mengler lived in Brazil, and in fact continued his experiments in Brazil. There are uh, there is a town in Brazil that produced a shitload of blonde, blue-eyed twins and triplets, and that's in my Overlords of Mars book. So if you want to get more of this stuff, I'm sorry. Here's my sales pitch, like a little grabbler. You're gonna have to buy and read my books. You know, that's not the point, but I mean, that stuff is in the books. I have spent time writing it in there, so you, you want more details, that's where you find them, really. Um, so, they used all that money to open over a thousand uh, 
companies that were essentially CEO'd and headed by Germans. Oh, what's the guy's name, man? B, something with a B. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to Google it because it's just gonna do my head in. Uh, Nazi leaders. List of Nazi party leaders. There we go. B, something with a B. Bormann. Martin Bormann, that's the one. Martin Bormann's signatures next to Juan Perón's signature on various documents. Uh, and essentially, Bormann was in charge of all the funds, and he pretty much took over from a financial point of view after Hitler sort of died. Uh, there are even pictures of Hitler with his moustache shaved off that attended theaters and stuff um, in uh, various, I think it's in Argentina, possibly Brazil. Um, and the FBI knew about this. There's FBI reports, Freedom of Information Acts that have discussed it. So now Martin Bormann, according to the narrative, listen to this narrative. So at the end of the war, you know, when Hitler shot himself in the bunker, and everybody's dying in the street. Martin Bormann tries to run into the streets, gets shot, dies shot in the street like a random dog. His body's never found. Nothing's ever discovered. But in, I think, 2000 and was it 11, 12, 13, something like that, that's when I saw the documentary, um, they were uh, building a parking lot in some area of Berlin and digging in the parking lot. They found a body. And, oh, well, they did DNA tests on it, and they figured out that was Martin Bormann. Yep, Martin Bormann definitely died in Berlin. Because that's what happens. You know, you just got a body after a war, and, uh, yeah, you just build a parking lot over it. Just happens to be Martin Bormann covered in, you know, his uniform and all that shit. But, yeah, never mind. We just put a bit of tarmac over it. It'll be fine. What a load of fucking shit. 70 years later, you dig up the corpse of Martin Bormann, who died in the street right here where he was shot. It's fucking ridiculous. You know, it's like literally they're making out to be retarded, if you believe that shit. Uh, Martin Bormann had a full life in Argentina, and so did many, many other Nazis. There was um, Carlos de Bariloche, that's the name of the, of the town. They even had surgeries that were specialized in, in plastic surgery for the face to change the features of this very well-known... Uh, um, Nazis. Again, this is not science fiction. Anybody that has read anything about history knows this, these are facts. So, yeah, you know, they didn't lose. They just created a whole shit bunch of companies and uh, took over the American space program and essentially took over the zeitgeist of America. America is essentially the continuation of Nazism. And you can see that in the shit that they export through their most vicious weapon, television and films. They have, uh, you know, brainwashed the whole planet to believe that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and uh, sex is fluid and we call it gender now. So, E. Scorpio... The chief gamma goes, do you 
think the Ananerbe unearthed ancient ancient technology? I don't know. Uh, there's certainly tried to look for that stuff. I know that Nazi researchers, and I think one of them might have been Otto, the guy who I think was gay, and who I recently found out apparently didn't die when they said he died, a mountaineer. He died in the mountains, but apparently he didn't die. He was married, and apparently he wrote to his wife letters long after he was supposedly dead. But that guy was instrumental, I think, along with a couple of other Nazis, to try and find ancient alien technology, including in Tibet. And they did find some ancient disks, um, which were essentially instruction. Think of like a wax disk, you know, the, the precursors to vinyl. Kind of a wax, kind of a stone type disk with information on it. That's, again, this is from memory long ago. I read this stuff. So they, they seem to have found things that refer to ancient times. They have found skeletons of giant type people that were like three meters tall and so on, which apparently in Tibet they still have some of these. There is a lot of information on giants and people, you know, all many thousands of years ago have there being um, humanoids that are, that are huge. Even in the accepted current narrative of history, there are, in fact, three-meter-tall humanoids. Um, I forget their technical name, but they supposedly died out, and they were, you know, like sort of Australopithecus-type guys. They were like big Yeti fuckers and whatever, but they were giant humans. They did exist. That's even in the official narrative, never mind the speculative, let's say, narrative. David Perkins says, the flat earth idiots completely ignores the obvious. They claim Antarctica as an ice wall when it is more likely a post-war military base. Well, yeah, uh, it was a military base before the, the war ended by the Nazis, and, you know, it was continued to remain one. Uh, Keith A. says, using blood to commune with the Lightbringer, Satanists love their forbidden knowledge. Well, indeed, yeah. David Perkins says, reading up about Himmler, and the guy was a total gamma. He was absolutely. Couldn't get his subordinates to respect him and couldn't watch the executions he ordered. Ugly wife, too. Yeah, he was that epitome of a gamma. He was a fucking useless little bastard. And if you've ever come across like some middle manager that somehow sucked his dick way, you know, to, to that position. That's who Himmler was, absolutely. What level of calculus? I was pretty good with it, but didn't go past multivariate linear differential equation. That's it. That's all you need, dude. The, the most basic aspects of calculus, um, which, you know, to me is still... I need a refresher on it. But yeah, you, you don't need anything more than that to... You need to have probably a reference book for um, astronomical equations because, he, you know, it doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't exactly tell you what G is. You know, if you don't know what G is and that's a constant to do to represent gravity, you might get lost. But um, any astronomy book will pretty much should... Or astronomy slash... 101 maths book will should give you all that stuff. Uh, Jean Dortal says, didn't those intelligence files that Trump released a couple of years ago show that they were investigating 
credible accounts of Hitler being in SA in the six, South America in the 60s. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. It, uh, it wasn't just Hitler. The, there were CIA accounts, FBI accounts. There were photographs in some of these accounts of, um, of, of Hitler. Uh, he definitely lived in Argentina long after he was supposedly dead. Um, one account that I've read, and I can't remember if it's in Grey Wolf, what says that he basically did start to go fucking nuts. He, he did have um, a degenerative disease, and they say he died in 1963, and that uh, looking at photos of concentration camps and stuff, he, at the end, to some extent, repented, or, or he was, you know, horrified by some of the stuff that had gone on in in his name. I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't know. Ben Evans says, sorry, I'm on a lag. The real woman was Maria Orsic. That's it. Thank you very much, Ben Evans. Uh, but Maria Orsic was, I believe, a real woman. Now, if all the things that are attributed to her were real or not, that's a bit more difficult to, to discover. But that's, that's the thing. The official narrative of the end of the Nazis sounded like a crappy C-list movie plot. Well, if you read um, The Spear of Destiny by Ravenscroft, you'll find out that, yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, and that that's what it was designed to do. Uh, gender is between your ears and sex is between your legs. Uh, no, you little freak. Uh, sex is... You know, genetic, you, you're either a male or a female. Your chromosomes are male. It doesn't matter what you do when you're dead and they dig up your corpse, they will see, oh, he was a man. The fact that you don't like that and that you like to suck dick and whatever is completely irrelevant to the reality of it. You are a man pretending to be a woman. It's, it's different. Oh, physics, very different from math. Physicists are very lazy with their notation. To be on scum. Indeed, and that's pretty much what, <laughs> what <laughs> Mars Mathis says. The, the, the physicists are, you know, they, they basically got gang-raped by the mathematicians who became famous, like Feynman. By the way, Feynman, that everybody says, he's a genius, he was so smart, he was a clever man, he had such wit. Fuck Feynman. I bought his book when I was in my teens, and I tried to read that shit, and I was like, this is nonsense. Your QED stuff is complete fucking rubbish. Now, I've been saying this since before I was 20, that quantum mechanics is basically the equivalent of a blind man with a hammer smashing everything with his hammer in a dark room, saying, ah, you see, um, um, things are soft, except for, you know, when they're hard. That's quantum mechanics, yeah. It's pretty much it. It's, you know, it's fucking retarded. Titi Salad with a new name. No, I, I think that's always been his name, Titi Salad. I don't know, maybe he's got a dash or something, I don't know. But, yeah. Okay, so that's my uh, crash course on the Nazis for a little bit. My original concept was Catholic thinking, which, you know, if, you, if you're an atheist and you start to go into the rabbit hole about Nazi tech, 
it can get pretty involved to the point where you sort of lose yourself because you're like, oh, but what is real then? And then because you don't have a sound foundation, it's like you could, if, if you're a little bit fragile mentally, you know, go off the deep end with this shit and sort of like either reject all of it or, or get so involved with some aspects of it that you, you literally go a little bit nuts. Um, you know, I've never been fragile mentally or emotionally, so that wasn't a problem for me, but I can absolutely see it in a lot of people that study this stuff that don't have a clear basis of what reality is really based on. And I think the reason the Catholicism is so good with that is because it gives you an absolute true foundation on which to, to base stuff. And of course, if you don't know what Catholicism is, if you think that Bergoglio and your average Catholic Novus Order Church is Catholic, then you're going to think I'm crazy and just some weird zealot. But, you know, you, you need to know what Catholicism is. And uh, that's basically why I wrote Reclaiming the Catholic Church, to sort of educate the Zyklon among you about what, what's what a little bit. But if you forget your units, they spurg out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that. The physicists do spurg out if you forget your units. But the thing is that they've got hidden units in their own bullshit formulas all over the place that they don't talk about. You know, it's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's just nonsense. Yeah, indeed. The sound foundation is indeed. You need a, a foundation. You can't build on on sand, as they say. Titi Salad said, My grandpa tricked a Nazi into eating a cat by skinning it and telling him it was a rabbit when they invaded Norway. Uh, yeah, my own father did that to his friends plenty of times when he was younger. Cats and rabbits uh, look pretty much the same once you skin them and cook them and cut off the head. Uh, so, yeah. He was the original ankle biter. I wouldn't consider that ankle biting. He fed them. Uh, you know. I guess that's the gamma thing to do. Feed the Nazis that have just taken over your country instead of slit their throat at the earliest opportunity. But, yeah. Okay. Any uh, questions you guys have? I've been going for an hour, just over an hour. Otherwise, I'll uh, salute you all in a minute if you haven't got any more questions you know I, I do I do sympathize with people like Titi Salad that are born either weird or become weird as a result of stuff that happens to them and um, I've had some very uh, interesting conversations with, um, with with homosexual people you know that like I knew either one of my ex-wives had a lot of homosexual friends, and um, I was one guy, you know, he came around once and he was, you know, having dinner with us or something, I don't know, spending some time, and, and he'd been, he'd known her for many years, and I sort of said, so you, you're like gay, right, like full-on gay, and he's like, yep, full-on gay, like, look, dude, I'm, I'm just curious about all sorts of shit, you know, so I want to ask you how that shit works in your head, like, what the fuck's going on there, you know, but I won't. I want to ask you if it's offensive or if you're going to get upset or whatever, but do you mind? You know, I'm just curious, you know. And the guy said, no, 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 go ahead. You ask me whatever you want, dude. I'm, you know, it's a Brazilian guy. 
Very cool guy. He wasn't at all offended, and I asked him some pretty tough questions. And, uh, you know, he explained to me he was uh, abused physically by his dad. And he even, I think to a certain extent, he knew why he sort of became gay or whatever. Um, but he said that's how he felt comfortable now, and he didn't want to try and change or whatever. And, um, you know, it was a very open discussion. Um, but the thing is, and I've had that type of conversation with a, a few homosexual guys that, I've known either through, you know, my relatives of mine that, that had homosexual friends or my, my ex-wife. Um, and, and one guy I personally became friends with because of work and stuff. And, um, you know, once you become friendly enough, you can pretty much talk about anything. I'm, you know, I'm the sort of guy that will ask a black guy that we're friends like, so what's it like being black? You know, is it really that bad or like, can you get away with shit just because you're, can you let just fucking be loud because you're black and nobody's going to say shit, you know, because I've seen that happen. What do you think? <laughs> At first they get a little bit like, what the fuck? And then they're like, when they figure out this guy really doesn't give a shit, then they're, they're cool with it. You know, they're, they're funny and, and it's good, you know, when you can talk openly with people. And, um, so I've had this kind of conversation with, you know, a few, probably a handful of like uh, full of full blown homosexuals, and invariably, they're aware of their own trauma. You know, I I've not yet met or had a conversation with anybody that, being honest, you know, that that is not fucking just outright lying to me. Somebody that I've been able to spend enough time with to sort of gauge whether they're bullshitting or telling the truth or whatever. I've not yet met a homosexual that wasn't in some way affected at a pretty early age in, in sexual things, you know, and that's, I think, how they go that route. Um, I, did, uh, I, did, I did know one guy who was full-blown, only homosexual, had only ever had homosexual interactions, and then um, some strange life situation meant that he kissed this lady and then he had sex with her, and after he had sex with her, he was like, oh, my fucking God. I wasn't gay at all from the beginning. I just fucking didn't know. And I was, I was, and again, he had been uh, abused in some way or other. I don't know whether sexually or just violently or whatever, but for whatever reason, he, he had decided he was a homosexual until he touched a woman. And then he realized, I really am not, you know? So it's a lot of that going on. So it's just, I don't know. It's quite interesting. And I think, it's kind of a shame that that sort of conversation can't happen now because, of course, oh, well, no, no, you, you're abusing the pure, the poor fags or whatever. You know. Did the Nazis get to cold fusion? Uh, if you're talking about the cold fusion that was talked about uh, in the 90s, quite possibly, but I think they use it for other things. Um, what I do know is that they had lasers and that they used them to enrich uranium. Uh, and that was actually verified to a certain extent by the British when they captured a whole bunch of Nazi scientists and put them in a room that was completely wired for sound and just let them hang around. Very British, you know? No, no, your officers, which you can leave you alone in your little room, you have to follow these strict rules, but no, no, you're allowed to do whatever you want. And then they just had a whole bunch of English guys that could speak German listening to everything they said. And over months, you know, you, you get quite a good information out of that.
So, um, now Titi Salad says, he was a kid, you salty son of a bitch. So what? My grandfather was a kid when the fucking war came. Then he went to steal food from the British. So, different kind of grandpa, I guess. Do you own any other sweaters? Not being me. Um, I do, but I'm not a, I'm not a big clothes guy. I hate shopping for myself. And uh, this is the stuff I wear that's comfortable. It's warm. You know, I, I wear shit until it literally breaks down. I think I'll show you. There you go. See that? It's all half chewed up. It's because these are my, like, house shirts, house clothes, you know. I actually do have enough etiquette to wear proper clothes or whatever when I go out. But I'm in my study talking to my uh, fanatic zealots and random friends and a few gammas. So I don't feel like I need to worry about what I'm wearing. You're lucky I'm wearing clothes at all. You know, it's cold. And as far as I'm concerned, clothes are really to protect me from the weather. And that's been pretty much my attitude since... Uh, since forever, really. You know, I know if I made a bit of effort and if I could give a shit about wearing proper clothes, it would no doubt have a better impression on people, but frankly, I just don't care. I just really don't. I've, I've never dressed to impress. I've dressed, you know, to... Not even to impress. It's sort of a form of dignity. For, you know, my wedding or important things or like a funeral or whatever, I'd, I wouldn't go badly dressed to that sort of thing because it's a representation of uh, a, form, a formal occasion to for other people, not for myself. Uh, you know, but in my own house, dude, yeah. If you walk in and you complain because I'm in my underpants, well, that's just on you. Do I think Bergoglio is a sodomite? Um, Anne Barnhart certainly believes that he is and that he was uh, boyfriends with um, that guy Vega whose name I, I can always forget. The, the, the guy who runs Al Almaeda that supposedly saving the children but really trafficking and prostituting children, raping them, selling them, etc. So and he, that was Borgoglio's boyfriend for uh, quite a while, visiting him at the Vatican and sleeping with him in his private rooms that had a secret back entrance. Now the thing about Anne Barnhart is that she can be completely wrong, uh, like about Ratzinger being Pope and all sorts of other things, but she's no liar, and um, she says that she's got this information from very reputable sources that she trusts, and I believe that. I believe that. So, uh, on balance of probabilities, I would say yes. Whether he's currently a practicing homosexual, I don't know. I would probably suspect that he's not a hugely active sodomite just because he's busy, he's got a lot of eyes on him, and he never struck me as somebody that's got a particularly high libido. But, having said that, he has been photographed holding hands with one of his newly elected fake priests, and he certainly, absolutely has protected, 
promoted and placed uh, pedophiles in positions of power at every turn and every opportunity. So to all intents and purposes, as far as I'm concerned, he deserves to be burnt at the stake in St. Peter's Square along with all the other pedophiles. Um, hope that answers your question. Tom Mastroianni. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Check out all these Nazi soccer players celebrate after scoring a goal. Uh, okay, I'm not going to look at that right now. Do you have a P.O. box? Gamma Seeker Kings has some merch that would make a great Christmas gift. <laughs> ah, titty salad. No, I, I don't. I don't have a P.O. box. I don't give a crap about receiving stuff in the mail from anybody. Uh, if you want to do me a good turn, buy one of my books and actually read it. That's it. That that's you. You, you want to make me happy? Actually, read one of my books and consider it. You know, not just disparage it because I happen to believe that you've got. XY chromosomes um, or whatever. Actually, consider the stuff I'm writing. That, that's it. That's all I'm. That'll make me happy. And if you think I'm my living off my books, well, uh, if you buy a few pallet loads every month, then you would be right. But until such time, that's not really what happens. Uh, no, I'm not going to give my address. No, I'm not going to give a PO box. I. Honestly, don't really need anything. I'm, I'm quite happy. Have you thought it's not a gift if I'm buying it? Well, it is a gift. You'd be buying a gift if you're sending me something, right? You'd be spending money on stuff I don't want or need. You can spend 10 bucks, buy one of my books and read that. You know, why not? That's a gift. I consider that a gift. But hey, you don't have to read my books. I'm just saying. That's uh, we'll read up on Mars babies. Oh, well, if you want Mars babies and a little bit of science fiction erotica, that's kind of down your alley, actually, or up your alley, really. You should really get the uh, Overlords of Mars book. Um, you should really get the first two, especially the second one. The second one has a pretty graphic opening sex scene that. Again, pretty much up your alley. Just saying. You might enjoy it. Sistema, the Russian martial system, worth it. Oh, thank you, poster child. That's very kind of you. Yeah, but I, I somehow, you know, call it a wild guess, but I think T.T. Salad probably couldn't care less about martial arts. Just, just saying. Have you thought to crowdfund the gravity generator build? Yeah, that, that's really going to happen. No, because it wouldn't get funded. And uh, if it did get funded, then it's quite possible that some people disappeared. And then if it did get funded by crowdfunding, you can bet your ass there's going to be a couple of like deep swamp creatures in there. No, but if you know some really wealthy, super billionaire guy, kind of like that film with... Um, uh, what's his name? The guy who did the Green Lantern. Uh, you know, I'm shit with names. Um, that wants to punish pedophiles and support really cool shit. Put me in touch. You know, I got shit I want to do that, that's really good for the planet. That's good for kids. So if you know some 
Russian oligarch billionaire that's got hit by lightning and decides to be a good guy and just fund some, like, let's get rid of bad people and create some really cool tech. Yeah, definitely put me in touch. Just saying for a friend, you know. You're right. I'm a yoga man. Yeah, you are. Kitty salad. I guess stretching is important when you're a man pretending to be a woman. But okay, uh, that's pretty much me done, unless you've got some other... Uh... Oh, wait, there's another question here. What do Italians think of Argentinians? Aren't they largely of Italian descent? Uh, a lot of Italians did go to Argentina. I don't know. I don't know what the average Italian thinks because there is no such thing as the average Italian. There's like 21 different regions that all pretty much compete and don't like each other. And uh, even within those regions, they don't like each other when they're from different villages. So there's no such thing as the average Italian. Uh, there are Argentinians, you know, I'm sure they're fine. The women are probably quite pretty because, well, they've got Italian genes. <laughs> Uh, yes, I've been to Russia, but uh, Jean Tortin, what is the thing with all these personal questions? I'm not that interested. Well, maybe I am that interesting. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I have been to Russia a few times. can't remember. I need to count. See, that that's why I got that big map up there with the little pins on where I've been, because I started to realize I was starting to forget. Uh, how many places I've been to? Oh, I'm starting to forget a bunch of shit that I've done. You know, I, I really do need to write my autobiography as a trilogy. I should really put it down every 30 years. I just need to find the time to do it. But yeah. Okay. Ah, we finally have our one down voter. And uh, so I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I think I'm going to call it a night, guys and girls. And thank you very much for coming over. I'm quite impressed that the gammas behave themselves. Uh, that's quite nice of them. And that, you know, they came along to listen. You never know. One of these days, they might just turn Catholic and repent. <laughs> oh, rich... O two nine two is a new guy. Says I finished your overloads of Mars Tatis book, and I remember thinking that I hope the Nazis wouldn't be presented as a one-dimensionally evil in the next book. No, there uh, it's more than one-dimensional. It's sort of four dim. Yeah, it's got a lot of plot lines and dimensions to it, um, and that's why it's a very difficult book to write. That requires a lot of concentration keeping track of all the plot lines that I've already got in there, as well as the ones that I have mapped out to round out the trilogy, because there are follow-on books that come after the trilogy, uh, and I've got those in my head already. Uh, I just need time. You see, you people need to buy like millions of my books so that I can sit on my ass and just carry on writing, and then I can do that. So, you know, if you want to go fund me or whatever and, and, and keep me... At a, at a decent money-earning capacity every month, then I can quit uh, all the other jobs I'm doing and uh, and just do that. That'd be great. I'd really like that. Thoughts on ghost rifle technology? Absolutely possible. 
certainly with the um, with the anti-gravity tech, which is essentially simply creating access to the potential difference between um, the zero-point vacuum fluctuations. Once you've miniaturized that enough, you can create magnetic and slash gravity fields as strong as you want. So ghost rifles are definitely a thing. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't going to present them as the good guys necessarily, but there are much more complexity to it than uh, than that. And uh, yeah, Hugh, just so you know, bunches of people that have started to investigate anti-gravity seriously uh, have disappeared. Um, not just one or two, quite quite a few of them. I've seen low-powered full auto gauge rifles. Yeah. Yeah, you know, on the internet you can find some guys that have built like little low-powered ghost rifles. But, um, you know, imagine when the level of field that you can create is many thousands of times stronger than that. You know, in fact, if you can create really... Well, you should, you, you know, if you read the... Again, if you read the Overlords of Mars books you'll see those kind of weapons talked about. You'll, you'll see the kind of uh, weaponry that, that they use, especially in the second book, uh, which is very cinematic type uh, of book. So it's if you've enjoyed The Expanse, you will probably really love um, Stasis. And uh, Rich... Um, Rich0292, who's read it, if you care to comment and let people know what you thought of it overall, without you know giving any any of the uh, you know don't don't give any spoilers, but I would say that honestly, in terms of cinematic effects, if you can imagine things well, I would say that Stasis probably kicks the crap out of uh, the Expanse, which is a I can't remember if it's Netflix or Amazon series, but. Um, Tell me what you think. Uh, if you're still there, Rich, let, let us know what your thoughts on that are. Because you read the book. I don't know you from a bar of soap. I'm glad you're here, though. So if you want to leave a comment, you know, go for it. Yeah, the all they can do is knock over cans. I think I've seen one or two that, like, punch through cardboard or something. But, yeah, that's... Um, that is the level that a normal guy with normal tech can probably do in his garage. Um, you know, the military has, has had ghost cannons for a very long time, and they fire these things out like a couple of kilometers a second or something. The Expanse is based on a book, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Thanks, Sean. That's very, uh, very good of you to, to let us know. Yeah, and, you know, sorry if I'm a bit paranoid. It's just I was wondering why you were asking all the personal questions. That's That was all. You might have a legitimate reason. You might just be curious. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We're just... Okay, maybe Rich has gone, so that he might not um, tell us what he thinks. But, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I wish I had the time to write the books and films that I want to write and that, you know, 
if I could do nothing else but write books from now till the day I drop dead, I would not run out of ideas. There are literally at least a couple of hundred books that I would like to write or top on topics that I would like to write and research more and, and, and give information on. But, you know, I have covered uh, Mars. I have covered martial arts. I have covered the Catholic Church. Eh, and I've tried to sort of give an overview of the uh, other things in my fiction books. So, I've been to Russia and you seem like you know a lot about it. That's why I asked. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've trained with a lot of Russians. I like the Russian way of thinking. Um, I like Russians in general. Um, I like Russian women. They're direct. They're very... It's no bullshit. There's a lot less bullshit with the Russians than there is with the Westerners. Um, and and the Russian women are more my, my speed because they, uh, they're direct and they will eat you alive if you're weak. But that's never been a problem for me. So as long as you're not weak, they're very feminine and, and very um, sensual. And, you know, so... And the Russian men are very direct and they very loyal, good friends when they're good and very bad, bad when they're bad. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty black and white, not a lot of gray areas. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Rich, I thought you said you read uh, the Stasi's book. So if you've read the Stasis, the Stasis is the second book, right? The first book is Inception. The second book is Stasis. They're both called Overlords of Mars. But I thought you read the second book. If you did read the second book, then you know, let them know what you, what, what you thought in terms of filmography, if you're going to imagine it as a film. Very true. I've dated some Russian women. Tell you exactly what they think. Yeah. Not necessarily always, but yeah. But yeah, they're... You know, it's no bullshit. I mean, like, I, was, I remember when I was, uh, when I went train, you know, when they gave me my my instructor diploma or whatever, which I didn't ask for, they just gave it to me. And I was in Russia, went out to dinner with a bunch of other guys. They all, some of them were married, but they came to this dinner with like the random girlfriend or some prosy they hired. I don't know. Every one of them had a woman with them regardless of whether they had a wife back home or not. And, um, you know, I was single, I was on my own, so I, I did have a Russian girl with me, but um, I wasn't cheating on anybody, I was just with her while I was there. And um, there was another table, Not you know, we had a pretty big table, because there was about, I don't know, a dozen of us, and there was a table, you know, just sort of in front of us that had about, maybe four to six um, women. They were all Russian women. Pretty. Uh, a lot. All of them attractive. Um, and, you know, I'm male, I'm human. Uh, they're standing, sitting right in front of me. I'm going to look, right? And I looked and I thought, hmm, she's hot. There was a girl that had sort of like frizzy hair and she was really pretty. And, um, and she saw me looking. And she kind of gave me a little smile. So I gave her a little smile back. And then uh, the girl that I was with obviously noticed. 
and said, she likes you. And I said, I know. But the girl I was with was also super cool. She was she was really a cool girl. And she goes, um, so do you think, you, you know, would you be able to like talk to her and get her to, to come with you? And I said, yeah, I'm sure I can, you know, but I'm kind of with you. We're like, you're staying with me at the hotel, right? So she goes, that's okay. If she comes with you, I'll just walk around the block for a few times till you're done. <laughs> that's like, you know, I thought for a moment, I thought she was kind of kidding. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just do that. Check this out. I think I'll just wink at her now, you know. And so I, I did, but I did it really to sort of irritate her a little bit, just to see if she was messing around or not. So I caught this other lady's eye again, and and I did. I winked at her and I smiled, and she went back and she smiled. And I thought, man, I'm okay now. All I need to do is just go up there and say, you're gonna come with me, and we're done, you know. But I was actually into this girl, so I didn't really want to complicate things that much. I was only there a few days, so I, I didn't go for it. But um, you know. Yeah, it would have definitely been a possibility. And for all I know, she was married too. You know, it was just, I don't know. They're just cool that way. I've already bought all of your books. I'm doing my best. No, but dude, it's your comment, Rich. You said, I finished your Overlords of Mars Stasis book. Right. So... And you're also the guy that said, I think you're the guy. Oh, no. Somebody else said that it's based on a book. Yeah. So, no, I'm um, I'm just wondering, what have you seen The Expanse, Rich? If you've seen The Expanse, I wanted you to compare the Stasis book that I wrote with The Expanse. If, if you've not seen it, then okay. I, I apologize. Obviously, that wouldn't make any sense. All right. Well, um, here we are. Oh, they were the best sci-fi books I've read in years. Well, thank you very much. That is a very, very kind compliment. So I hope that tells the other people out there, including Titty Salad. There's a sex scene in there you'll probably appreciate. Um, so, well, thank you all very much. And now that we've discussed Nazis, clear Catholic thinking, red-headed, green-eyed Russian girls, and uh, I don't know what else, I think I will call it a night. Thank you all for being around, and have a very good evening and a good weekend. Tomorrow is actually a really cool day for me, because uh, I'll, I'll tell you about that maybe in the next, one of the next videos. Some cool stuff's hopefully happening just before Christmas, so... Oh, uh, Richard says, my comparison is Ian M. Banks' Culture Sci-Fi series. Yeah, I, I'm i afraid I don't think very much of Ian Banks. I find him a little bit boring and pedantic and a little bit autistic. So, um, I don't know. That's just me. You know, the gustibus. Taste is uh, unique to each man. But uh, thank you very much and have a good night and have a good weekend. And a good old leader of the gamma says, good evening. Well done, Scorpio. You were very well behaved. Very impressed with you. Good man. Have a good night all.